0: Uh, thank you, Moshe for reading from the scripture, 2 uh, Timothy, chapter 1, verses 1 to 7. Obviously, we have looked at the first letter which Paul wrote to Timothy over a considerable period of time. Now we're going to move into the second letter. There's a space of a few years between the first letter and this letter. And the question is, it's good to remind ourselves who is writing this letter to whom it's being written, why it's being written, and what is being written, and then we can look for an application for ourselves. So uh, if you look to the newsletter it says the title is God the Gospel Part 1. So uh, one theologian put it this way, we are only one generation from the gospel being lost. Let me explain what that what that theologian was saying. If we are if we don't live the gospel, if we don't proclaim the gospel, if we don't continue in the gospel, then the next generation will assume the gospel, and then they will ignore the gospel, and that generation could be lost from the gospel. Earthly mindset. But the important thing, as we look in part two, God guards his gospel and he calls his church to guard the gospel too. So, there are two things to bear in mind, so just hold those two things in balance, okay? So, Apostle Paul is writing this letter to Timothy. Timothy has been sent to Ephesus, a a place where Paul had gone and uh, preached in the synagogue for three months and when the Jews rejected him, He went and hired the school of Tyrannus where he spent two years and proclaimed the gospel every afternoon and after which uh, then God was doing some unusual miracles through him, aprons taken from the body of uh, or from Paul's body was taken and people were placing it on others that people might be healed and it was the place where uh, people Ephesus was a place where people practiced magic and people created a bonfire of all the occult uh, things as uh, saying that we are cutting off from the past, we are going to live uh, differently and live for God. So if you're a Christian, you know today it's quite fashionable to be involved in certain Eastern practices and meditations, but I would say there is things which are holy and things which are secular it's important for you to make that break from the past or break from something which is uh, from human wisdom or from the adversary and to live a clean and holy life what else happened in Ephesus you had the seven sons of Sceva who tried to exorcise uh, demons from a particular individual and they were badly mauled up because this evil spirit said, "Uh, Jesus I know, Paul I know, who are you? So it's important for us, when we serve God, we need to know God. When we stand and we oppose the adversary, when, you know, the Bible says very clearly, submit to God, then resist the devil. These seven sons of Sceva had not submitted to God, but they were trying to resist the adversary. All this was happening in Ephesus. Then there was that big commotion of great is the, the uh, Diana of the Ephesians and uh, the silversmiths and the tradesmen uh, were in uproar and Paul left Ephesus hastily. But he spent two years and three months at least from that account in the book of uh, Acts. And uh, who was Paul? Uh, Paul once was an enemy of the church. He was a persecutor of the church. God met him, or let's put God confronted him, uh, God uh, converted him, and God commissioned him uh, to the gospel. So it's important to know that. Um, In today's message, if you want three points to take home, I'll tell the three points and I'll come and revisit it. It's going to be, uh, the first one is called by God, uh, the next one is uh, sh- uh, shaped by grace. And the next one is empowered by the Spirit. So let's put that C-S-E. So those of you who do Premier League, it's C-S-K, but it's not C-S-K, C-S-E. Okay, uh, so it's uh, called by God, uh, shaped by grace, empowered by the Spirit. Okay. So here is Paul moving from there and he has appointed certain elders and uh, latterly he is uh, travelling back to Jerusalem to get to the feast of Pentecost and uh, he is in a port city called Miletus where he summons the elders from Ephesus to come down and he says, I have uh, shared with you the whole counsel of God, I have not withheld anything. And he uh, charges the elders... Uh, to uh, look after the flock and then he makes his journey in church um, the church actually uh, does not die out uh, because of external pressure but it can die out because of internal uh, uh, morality or corruption some wrong teachers have weaved their way Wrong people have got into the leadership, the eldership, and deacons. And so the first letter Paul is being sent to Ephesus to to correct the church. Correction is not easy. And so he has to go and say, "Hey, are you truly biblically qualified to be an elder? Are you biblically truly qualified to be a deacon?" And then he addresses some other issues of disorder in worship and also the the, there was a a program, they had a social service program where the widows uh, who were looked after. Some of the Christians were thinking like, well the church is going to look after, so I'm not going to do my responsibility. So he calls the people, if you have a family you have a familial responsibility to look after the widows and the vulnerable people. Don't put that burden upon the church. And let's who are truly widows be looked after. The truly, truly vulnerable people to be looked after. You get that picture. So he's written all this. And uh, Timothy and when Paul is writing this, Paul is in prison. And he say and he's hoping that he would be released. And while writing the first letter he says I hope that I'll be able to come, in case I'm delayed, I'm writing this letter, he says in the first letter. Obviously there's a delay, and he is uh, on death row, he's going to be executed soon, so it's a very prominent time. When somebody feels their end is drawing near, they're not going to be talking about, oh, did you see that bargain? Like, you know, buy two and get one free. Or they're not going to be talking about the weather. They're going to be talking of things that matter to their heart. So Paul is wanting to build this young man to be a man of God. You know, in our men's group, our title is Men for God and Men of God. We want to be men of God who will stand up and be men for God. If you want to be that man of God, then here is some advice that can apply to you. Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy, who is Timothy? Timothy is from Lyconia, from either from Lystra or Derby, one of those places Apostle Paul was there and when he was there he met this young man Timothy who uh, was a disciple of Jesus and this young man was raised up by two Christian parents grandmother and mother, two generations if you're a grandparent You have a responsibility to shape your grandchildren's lives. You know that word I said, shaped by grace? We are all shaped by grace. God uses, you might say, well, I didn't have parents who were Christians. But you're being shaped by God's family. You have got leaders who proclaim the scripture, who are shaping your life. You've got parents, there you've got grandmother and mother. His father was a Greek. Apostle Paul invites Timothy into the team. They had a great bond. It was a, a, like a father-son relationship. You know, when, when the apostles wrote to the elders, he said, elders don't lord it over your congregation, but to serve them with diligence. So, when you are in a position of an elder, you are you have to have that heart of Heavenly Father, that paternal heart of the Heavenly Father. If you're a home group leader, have that paternal heart of God. So you're caring for them. It's not a show. Oh no, it's Tuesday. I got to do home group. It's like, no, these are God's family, precious people whom God has saved and I want to input. And you can, this is a prayer. You can pray. You can say, Father, Take my life and may, me, may I be uh, an influence. May your grace shape other people's lives through my own. Even as we said, living sacrifice. What is living sacrifice? You're pouring out your life. How do you, what, is, what is that sacrifice? Our lives are measured in time. So when we give one hour of our time or two hours of our time or three hours of our time we are giving our life as a living sacrifice unto God. So uh, Paul, going to the first verse Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God according to the promise of life. Note that word by the will of God. We are born anew by the will of God. Jesus said to Nicodemus, it's not like natural, we are not born by our human will, but by the will of God. Like we sang before we began, the earth began to breathe. Is that the word? Yeah, breathe. God had determined in his sovereign will that you're going to be mine. That's exciting, isn't it? So you're not just one of those people who just stumbled into the gospel which might be your earthly take but that's not the case biblically God had you in his mind long before this world ever came to be sometimes we can feel we are not special we're just bubbling along as well no 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 God had you in his mind it's 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 phenomenal He is the highest, the most supreme person had you in his mind. And here is the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy and uh, wanting Timothy. Correcting uh, uh, people who are older than you is challenging. Uh, Timothy is feeling uh, a bit timid. Uh, You know, I I often use that uh, word, the alliteration. I think all the TTs, I say, timid Timothy and tough Titus. He was a timid Timothy, and uh, here he is, and he wishes him by saying, GMP, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Grace is God giving you something we don't deserve. Mercy is holding back something that you do deserve, which is punishment. He's holding that back. And peace is primarily not a feeling, but a harmony with God. And that harmony has been restored because Jesus Christ has paid the price. So he not only paid the penalty for our sin, he also dealt with the partition that sin had brought. Today we have harmony. And the devil wants you not to believe that truth and want you to think that God is a million miles away. But no, he is for you, He's with you and in you. You know when I was a young Christian sometimes I used to look in the mirror I'm not recommending this or anything, I'm just telling you my story I used to look in the mirror and say Alex you are a new creation All things have passed away All those things held you back in the past Don't hold you anymore You can go and live that life Hey, you are a new creation I used to speak to myself and I used to sometimes take certain words that who you are in Christ, and and speak, looking at myself in the mirror, in order to put the, uh, to uh, to let that truth settle in. So, and I used to say, uh, I would say that it's if I say if nobody else thinks of me, God, you think of me, that matters to me. If nobody else prays for me, Jesus, you intercede for me, that matters. If nobody else gives me a, 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 a place to stay, you are preparing a place for me. If nobody else is going to welcome me, you are going to come and receive me. These are truths, this living hope that you, uh, you need to be solid about. The adversary would like you to go by a feeling. Feelings are not an indicator of your spirituality, but the scripture. It's the indicator. It tells you the truth. So there is a necessity to, when you say, uh, submit yourself to God. You say, my mind is thinking one way, but the scripture is saying differently. I'm going to surrender to the scripture. God, I ask that I will follow the truth. As I follow the truth, the feelings follow. You know, there used to be an old Sunday school story. They used to say, um, they had to walk on a tight rope or a, 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 a wall you know, with uh, drops on both sides. And The story says, is, you know, um, uh, fact was going in front and uh, faith was going in, fro- in front, feeling was behind. The moment you look back at your feeling, you're likely to fall. But keep your, keep your eyes on the facts of the reality of the truth of what Jesus did. Okay, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did without ceasing. I remember you in my prayers night and day. Paul was a man of prayer. What are we like in our praying? Our praying is like breathing to our soul. You know, you know, sometimes we do sit down and kneel down and, or, or stand up or raise your hands and you pray. That's fantastic. But I'm encouraging you to develop a pattern which is your, it's like you're breathing. You, I've never stopped your communication with God. Whatever you're doing, you know I said about harmony, the connection is on, even if there are pauses, it's on. You know, it's not like you hung off the phone. The phone is on. You know, sometimes um, I'm, I'm working in the office and uh, uh, Ray's got one of those, I don't know what you call it, Alexa out there. And sometimes I, I, I'm, I'm talking to, you know, I'm praying and Alexa says, I don't understand that. <laughs> What I'm trying to say is, if Alexa is listening or your echo box is listening, God is listening. The connection is on. Give a time of prayer. I would say pray. I mean, imagine knowing that your mentor is praying for you. That's special. I want to recall a story when I was, uh, about 31 years ago, I was in a a crisis point and I'm in between countries, not knowing what my next step would be and I remember making two phone calls, one to the church in Norway and one to my parents. My dad was away, it was mum who took the call. I said to mum, I don't know what my next steps are, I'm confused. What should I do? And, and I said, I need wisdom. I need resources. You know what she said? She's very, a very short person. And she said, son, I may not be able to give you the money, but I have influence before the throne. I will lean heavily upon him. To have people who pray for you. So I'm going to ask you to develop a pattern praying for one another. Pray for one another. Pray for the person whom you, when you go back this week, you can just think about, who did I sit with in that room? I'm going to pray for them. Or in your home group, you say, who's that? I'm going to pray for them. And if appropriate to say to that person, hey, I'm thinking of you, I'm praying for you. I mean, some of you people did send a text uh, to me or a message to me whilst I was in India, it was atomic. Hey, somebody 5,000 miles old, I'm not accurate with the geography, don't quote me, okay? So far away is thinking of me. They're praying for me. Even if you can't remember all the names of people, you know, you can just go before, you, you can stand there or sit there in the presence of God. I say, God, I can't remember. That face, that face. You remember how Aaron stood before the Holy of Holies with with his uh, chest piece for the twelve tribes of Israel and the names of the twelve tribes of Israel, again, put on the shoulder plates. And he's standing there before God. He can't remember the names. He's standing there and saying, Lord, I am carrying them in my heart or on my heart. I'm carrying the burdens upon my shoulders. You know what Timothy, when praying for Timothy, do you think that Paul is saying, oh God, grant Timothy that car he was asking for or let him win that lottery or something? Primarily, what is he you praying? He's praying that this man might become the man of God so that the gospel might go from one generation to the next generation. Of course, God is interested in your homes and what you eat and what you wear. Even the Gentiles worry about things. Jesus said, do not worry about these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. When we talked about, when we sang in that song about, you know, rain in me, or equivalent, yeah, rain in me. When you're asking rain, number one, you're saying, God, you're king. Number two, you're saying, I'm your subject. And when you're saying rain, let your mindset and your will unfold in my life. When you say the kingdom of God advances, it primarily advances in you. A little leaven heaven and three batches of dough, it works unseen, but it leavens the whole lump. So you, when it's, when you're saying kingdom of God, so that is primarily, then that 1 Peter 3.15, sanctify the Lord Jesus in your hearts. And then when people ask, what's different about you? That is your opportunity to share about the living hope that you have. You do that with gentleness and respect. Sanctifying Jesus in your heart is saying, God I'm yours and I want my mind, my thought, my will, my emotion, my action, my words all to concur and reflect the fact that I'm under you as king and I'm your subject. May that be seen somehow, that light of the world, that that uh, city on a hilltop, let it somehow be seen. I'm rubbish at it, but let me decrease and may you increase, may may somehow your presence be felt known by people around me. That's possible. You're not trying to do much. You're saying, God, I surrender. It is a great tonic for Timothy to know that Paul is praying for him. Greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of the tears. When Paul said goodbye, you know, occasions where your people cried in a number of places. <laughs> you know, people came up to the beach and there was a prayer meeting and tears in the beach. Please don't go, please don't go. Because they knew that Paul they might not see Paul well again. And uh, that's very real for me. I, you know, uh, at two o'clock in the morning, I was leaving my home and uh, getting in the car to go, and there was two, my mum and dad, both in the frame, you know. I had yeah. one hand on the hand, I had to do the stiff upper lip. The person, hey, goodbye, bye, bye, that'd be great. And I held it together on the plane. Coming down on the motorway, M4, on the coach, I bawled my eyes out. Because of the uncertainty, you may not see them again. Messengers will change. The message doesn't. The gospel doesn't. The gospel has to go to the next generation. So it is down to you and me to guard the gospel. For which you need to remember, you're called by God. You didn't say, God, I'm ready. You can use me. But it's God who's called you. You are just responding. Then you can say, God, hear. I am wholly available. I mean, a church is full of talented people but unavailable. Is that true? But to say, God, I'm wholly available, church is God's plan A, there's no plan B. God's congregation is plan a, a, group of people who will live as his witnesses, ambassadors in every given town, city, country. So that puts a different spin. Do I want to go to church or not? Are I want to take a dirt off or not? Because when people see you congregate, there's also the unseen forces who are looking in at the manifold wisdom of God. These bunch of weak people come in and say, God, I love you. So that was Timothy's tears. And then he talks about his, how Timothy was shaped by his grandmother, his mother, other people. Okay. Say, if you don't have grandparents who are Christians or parents who are Christians, don't worry. You've been shaped by lots of fathers, mothers, brothers and sisters. That shaping sometimes can be challenging. We sang about discipline. Didn't we sing about that word discipline? Sometimes that's correction. Correction is not easy. Then he says, Timothy, I remind you to find into flame, or stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So Apostle Paul laid hands on him at some stage in his life, probably before he sent him to Ephesus, probably at his baptism, or some other time. He's placing of hands. Placing of hands, you know when um, they, when uh, King Charles or Prince Charles became King Charles when that crown was placed, it 's hands laid on him. That is a public demonstration of transferring authority, responsibility to do a particular task on other people. In our Indian context, we have this when you go and see your grandparents, the grandkids particularly, before they leave, they will go up to grandma and grandpa, if they're around and say, bless me, bless me. And they put their hands on their heads and they pray. Saying another word about prayer, there were a number of times during the day I will slowly tiptoe and go into mum and dad's room to look what they're doing. I can see them sitting there quietly, eyes shut. What are they doing? Praying. Grandparents, parents, brothers, sisters, pray. Pray. It's good to, you know, I still recall that conversation with my older son, Phil, um, Uh, On the way back from church search, coming back from Gloucester University, on M5, he turns around and says, Dad, thanks for coming. When I grow up, I want to be like you. So my question to him was, what is it that has prompted you to say that? He said, Dad, you're not rich, but you'll face life with confidence. How come? That was the opportunity to share. It's only I'm confident only because I have spoken with him. I'm only confident because I know that I am wanting his will in my life and for the congregation. Wow. Uh, Recently I was reading that story in Genesis for the nth time about uh, Jacob running away from his uh, parents and his brother Esau and he's in the outback and he's uh, gone and uh, uh, put this rock for a pillow and uh, he's uncertain about his future and he's lying there and that day God communicates to him in a dream or a vision of the ladder from heaven, angels uh, ascending and descending. Uh, you know, and, and this phrase is said is I take great comfort by laying my head upon the pillow, which is the sovereignty of God. I go to bed, in the middle of all this crisis, and laying my head on the sovereignty of God. God, my life doesn't make sense. Things are not going too well. Things are going well. Resting on the sovereignty of God. That is so, so important. Timothy, fan into flame. And then lastly, empowered by the Spirit, for God has not given to us, he's not saying you, he says us. Wow. God has not given to us, you and me. What? He's not given to us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind, and some translations, by self-discipline. A disciplined life. So you're going to sum up this. Called by God, shaped by his grace, empowered by his spirit. This is mandatory to guard the gospel. You have been called by God. You're being shaped constantly by His grace through the Word, through the ministry of the Word of God, through the lives of the saints. And lastly, remember, you're empowered by the Spirit. Shall we pray? Uh, Father God, we thank you that the Gospel has reached us because people were faithful in passing it on to the next generation, and the next generation, and the next generation, and the next generation. And here we stand, knowing that there might be another generation to come before you return, and we are saying, here we are, wholly available, wanting to be taken and used, and we are saying we want to be that living sacrifice. We want to primarily live the gospel, share the gospel by sanctifying the Lord Jesus in our hearts. And we ask that your spirit, which is the one people are born again, by the by not by human will, but by the will of the spirit, like the wind that blows, I ask your spirit that's already moving on this earth, upon people, you'll bring those conversations and those opportunities, and we ask that we be able to give a reason for the living hope we have in you. Lord, we are unable to convert a single soul. But the gospel of God is the power of God unto salvation. So we're saying we want to lay aside all gimmicks and strategies and just say, Lord, you do what you're best at doing. Making people born and you. And we are saying, we are excited that you want us on that journey. Here we are for you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.